Hello. We are excited that you have decided to join us today via our podcast. There are other ways you can join. You can watch us live on Facebook, YouTube, and Roku under the Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministries or on our website at www.mtdm.org. You can also join us in the sanctuary at 401 North Wright Street, Bergaw, North Carolina, 28425, every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you would like to give a donation, you can go to our website and click the donation button at www.mtdm.org. He is. Last Tuesday, we were learning about Elohim. And I started with Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. We're talking about the names of God, and the reason why I want to go over this is because we need to get to know God for who he is. And the more we get to know him for who he is, no matter what we go through, we can get through it. And we can know that we're not alone because he's there with us and he's there for us. If he can be for us, who can be against us? The more time we spend with God and the more time we spend in his word, the more we can be effective for the kingdom of God. When we look back at Genesis 1-1, in which we all, we're very familiar with it, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So when we look at God there, it means Elohim. Elohim means creator. So he is the creator. When we go back to John, I didn't give you this last week, but in John chapter 1, we went over that already, verses 1 through 3, it talks about, um, in verse 3, the part I want to go over is, without him, nothing would have been made that was made, because God created everything. So what we have to come to understand and know, that when things go wrong, Inside our home, outside our home, in the church, whether it's physically, mentally, spiritually, whatever it is, we can go to Elohim. We can go to the one that has created everything. I went over George Washington Carver last week and how he put so much trust in the creator that when the flowers died or he would take jars of clay and he would say God's creation would speak to him. And the reason why is because he knew it was something that God had made. So he would spend time just looking at God's creation. And he'll say, Mr. Creator, you know, you know about this. So tell me about the peanut. Tell me about this. And God gave him so many inventions dealing with the peanut that it has helped many people. And I think he made some kind of oil from the peanut that helped some ailments, people that had some type of ailment I want to say maybe it was arthritis I don't know what it was but God showed him what to make through that and it healed people and they asked him how did he get all of this and he said it was because he spent time with Mr. Creator and he asked him how things were made that were made and I think that is so awesome and I believe if we spend more time with God 
asking God the questions like um, George Washington Carver did, we will spend less time listening to everybody else because we trust God more than we trust man. We know that the word of God said don't put our trust in man, put our trust in God. And that's what we have to do on a daily basis because at the end of the day, man is only going to do what man know to do. But God is our final answer because he is the word. When we need an answer, he said we can call on him. He would answer us. He will show us great and mighty things that we don't know. But I don't know about you. Sometimes we can get impatient because something we may be facing and it may be, you know, a critical thing or maybe something that we need to an answer right then. And we're saying, God, come on, let me know what to do. Let me know how to do it. It may be dealing with your finances. It may be dealing with your body. But if we learn to wait on him, the Bible says that those that wait on the Lord, he will give us that strength. He will increase our strength. Then we will mount up with wings as an eagle. And so if we wait on him, we will be of a good courage in waiting because we know that God's going to give us the answer. Sometime, I know in my life, I don't hear God say nothing. And when I don't hear nothing, I just say, okay, God, I need to be still. I need to wait on you. Right now, you're not saying anything, so you want me to trust you and what I'm going through. But I'm trusting you enough to know that you who you say you are. So we know in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. That was one scripture I went over. Another one's Isaiah 54, 5 says, For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He's called the God of the whole earth. For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He's called the God of the whole earth. So look at Isaiah. Isaiah is saying, for your maker is your husband. He's acknowledging that God made us. We did not make ourselves. So when something go on with us physically, we can go to our maker. We can go to the creator and say, Mr. Creator, you know my body better than I know my body. You know that I was fearfully and wonderfully made. You know what's going on with me. Mr. Creator, how do you want me to handle this? What do you want me to do about this? He said, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He's called the God of the whole earth. So he's recognizing him as his maker. He's recognized him, him as the God of the whole earth. Then we look at Isaiah 45, 18. It says... For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens? Who is God who formed the earth and made it? Who has established it? Who did not create it in vain? Who formed it to be inhabited? I'm the Lord and there is no other. So here's Isaiah again. He's saying who created the heavens? So Isaiah was a prophet. He was one that will speak on the behalf of God. So by him getting to know God and going to God and God has given him his word, Isaiah was recognizing God for who he was. How could Isaiah do that? He did that because he spent time with God. He knew him by his names. And that's what God want us to know him by his names. So when we get in a tight, whatever we're going through, we can say, Mr. Creator, Elohim, you created these things. You know how these things should be. You know what should be and you know what should not be. So I need your help, Mr. Creator. So if you're really opening up your heart to him and God is hearing your heart cry, because sometimes we bargain with God. 
Sometimes we say, well, God, if you show me this, or God, if you do this, or God, if you do that, I'll do this. But God know your heart ain't right. And what we have to do is to understand we don't have to bargain with God. We don't have to say, if you do this, God already done it. So we don't have to put that before God. The only thing we do is go to God based on what he's already done. And when we know what he's already done, then we will begin to say, God, this is what you said. And we will remind him of what his word is saying. And really, it's not really reminding God of what his word is saying. He know what his word is saying. It's helping us to know, Father, Abba, Father, you said this. And God, you got to stand on what you said. So it's building us up. It's building our insurance and our confidence up in God. I talked about a plant that I used to have. And her name was Angel. And I named her that. And... When I was at work, I would speak to Angel. I would water her, talk to her. Oh, you're beautiful today. You're growing in leaps and in bounds. And the Angel was just flourishing all over the place. But when I left my job and I brought Angel home, and I don't know about you, sometimes you have a lot on your mind. And being that you have a lot on your mind, being that you're going through different challenges in your life, the things that you used to do, you don't do them no more. So I didn't pay attention to Angel like I was paying attention to Angel when I was at work, coming in every morning at work, watering her. Now she's in my house, and one thing, she didn't have that light that she had at the office. So I would neglect Angel, and I wouldn't talk to her. And one day I saw how her leaves was drooping. And, you know, when a flower leaves are drooping, that's telling you that, f- that flower needs something. That flower is talking to you. So she she was dry. She needed some water. She needed some nourishment. So when I began to give her a little water, not overwatering her, I could see how her leaves would sprout back up. But then I became lazy again, and it was like I didn't care. So Angel died. So what am I saying? When something has happened to, to us and we have a loving father, which is the creator, he loved us so much he laid down his life for us. And God is saying, you don't have to die like this. And what I mean, I'm not talking really about a physical death. I'm talking about a spiritual death too. Because sometimes we don't get in the word of God the way we need to, to get to know him. Because he said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So when we know that we need nourishment, when we need life from his word, and we don't get it, When do we find out that we're not getting it? When a problem come up, when a situation come up, when our body is going through physically, when we're going through spiritually, when we're going through with our children or on the job, we find out that we're actually dying spiritually because we're not getting into that word and getting nourishment from the word of God. When you're feeling good, when your money looking good, you got a good doctor's report, you know, and everything is right with your children, sometimes we don't give God that attention that he needs to be getting from us because we think everything's okay. But we start back giving him attention when things begin to decline. We shouldn't do God like that. Just like George Washington Carver, what he did, he spent time with God very early in the morning. He said, if you seek him early, you shall find him. So we can't wait to nighttime and say, okay, I'm going to start seeking God because I don't know about you, but if I don't start off early, everything else come in between. 
So I have to start off early and get before him and hear what he has to say because it helps me throughout the day. If you go throughout your day without talking with him or without getting into the word, sometimes you feel like you don't need it. I'll get it tomorrow. But something may happen in between that time and tomorrow. So we talked about Jeremiah 32, 27, and I love this verse of scripture. He said, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? He said, behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? When we know that he is our creator and he is our maker, we should know he made us. We didn't make ourselves. So whatever we come to him with, he created it. So it's not going to be too hard for him to do. You know how I believe some of us may have... um, Fords, we may have Chevrolets, we may have Mercedes, we may have Toyotas, whatever brand of car we have. When something is going on with that car, we take it back to that dealer or we take it to a dealer that know how to work on that car. You're not going to take your car to a shady, well, I ain't going to say that because some people do take them to people that say they know what they're doing and don't know nothing and then you got a mess, you got a tore up mess. So when you take them to those dealers and those dealers supposed to be able to diagnose what's going on with your car, because if GMC made that car, they're going to know what parts supposed to be in that car. But check this. If the one who um, made the vehicles trained other people to know how those vehicles operate and they have the knowledge, they're supposed to know what's going on with the car, right? But that's man's knowledge. Sometimes man don't know. I remember um, my husband was having a situation with his um, truck, and he just got the truck. And one thing I can say about a man, y'all, they know if they hear a little noise, I'll say some men. Because all of them can hear knocking and keep right on driving. Some of them can hear knocking and just keep right on driving, and the wife is saying, wait a minute, baby, that's knocking. Oh, it's all right. Ain't nothing wrong with it. And then it blows up. But that man over there, he'll hear some things, and he'll say something is not right. So he took it to the people, and he kept taking it to the people, and they come up with, well, the year that you have, this is going on with that year, and, you know, this is just what's going on with that year. So my husband said, well, you know, they said this is what's going on with that year. And I began to seek the Lord, and I said, "Uh uh-uh. I just didn't feel right in my spirit. I told my husband, I said, "Uh uh-uh, no. So I said, I'll tell you what, honey, let's take it to another dealer. So we took it to another dealer as the Holy Spirit advised, and guess what? It wasn't what they said. And the truck is fixed. So what am I saying? When you hear Mr. Creator... He's going to let you know what's right. You can't go on everything somebody say. You can't go on that because you will be believing that lie and it won't be the truth. So if, if my husband had to kept doing it and doing it and doing it, you know, that's what he did. Well, there's nothing else we can do. That's just how that year is. But the Holy Ghost, thank God for the Holy Ghost. See, when you have a relationship with Elohim, 
And deep down, deep, deep down, you're not satisfied with what you're hearing. That's the Holy Spirit trying to tell you, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh-uh, that ain't right. So that's why all of us need to spend time with him and say, God, I need to hear what you have to say. I'm hearing what they have to say, but you are my final answer. So God, you know me better than they know me. You know about what's going on in my life better than they know what's going on in my life. So, Lord, tell me what would you have me to do. And that's the God that we serve. And the same God that did that for us is the same God that will do it for all of you. If you take the time to say, what would you have me to do with this situation? He's Mr. Creator. He is Elohim. He knows everything. So we need to put our trust more in him than we're putting our trust in man. Because guess what? The more we show him, God is getting glorified. He's allowing man to say that I am God and not man. And I don't lie. So that brings the people that you're dealing with That brings them into the kingdom to let them know that God is above man. And that's the next name I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about tonight El El Yon. El El Yon. We learned about Elohim. Now we're going to learn a little about El El Yon. Don't get afraid of the few scriptures that I'm giving you. Because... When you truly study from Tuesday to Tuesday, seven days, if you count your scriptures, you can actually break them down. You might can do two a day and still have, you know, you can get through it. But remember on the test, I only asked for one. I only asked for one scripture. <laughs> so you, you can choose. But I'm talking about El El Yon, the most high God. That's who El El Yon is. The most high God. He's above all other gods. El El Yon, the most high God. He's above all other gods. That's why he's the most high God. He has all authority and all power power over other gods. He is high and he is lifted up. Amen. So he should be exalted. And this is why he don't want to have any other idols before him. Anything that we idolize is our God. Our cars, our homes, our children, our jobs, our clothes, our nails, our hair. Whatever we put before God is our God. God said, have no other gods before me. And sometimes we forget that we can put people and things before God. I don't know about you, but before I got saved, I had my husband as the biggest statue ever. I had to go everywhere he went. If he went, I was going. It was all about him. But when I learned about God and I began serving God, it wasn't about him no more. And the, the love that I had for God was more than the love I had for my husband. And some people say, well, that's wrong. No, it's not. Because I guarantee you, if you put God above your husband or your wife... They will be satisfied. If you put God above your husband and your wife, they will be satisfied. Why? Because God is going to show you how to treat a husband. 
Men, he's going to show you how to treat a wife. And both of you are going to be satisfied. But remember, God is a jealous God. So he said, have no other God before me. So we need to check ourselves to make sure that we don't have things in our lives that we put before God. Example, if the first thing you do when you wake up is say, oh God, I got to get to work, that's your God. If you don't get up and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for allowing me to see another day. Thank you for waking me up this morning. Thank you for starting me on my way. Thank you for the breath that's in my body. Thank you for the food that's on my table. Thank you, God, for everything that you have given me. Without you, God, I would have nothing. Thank you for being the bread of life. Thank you for being the living water. Thank you for being the everlasting, the eternal God. Thank you for being the Prince of Peace. Thank you for being my peace, my joy. Thank you for being my redemption. Thank you, God, for everything that you're doing and everything that you have already done on my behalf. Thank you, God, that in you I live and you I move and you I have my being. God, you are my everything. Without you, I can do nothing. Oh, I give you glory this morning, God. I glorify you, God, because I want people to see you today and not me. So if we don't get up and give him a hallelujah, and our focus is so much on what we got to do today, those are your gods. God ain't truly who he say he is in your life. He want to be El El Yon. He want to be the most high God. And it's not hard at all to start off your day with him when you're putting him first all the time. When you're not trying to say, I got to get this done. I got to get that done. I got to be here. I got to be there. No, I'm going to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord because God, without you, I am nothing. You are the vine. I'm the branch, God. If I let go of that vine, I don't have no nourishment and I need nourishment today. I do not want to become dehydrated. So I need you, Lord. And I know you're here today because you will never leave me, nor shall you forsake me. Because you accepted me. You had chosen me. You adopted me, God. You've forgiven me, God. So, God, I just thank you this morning. It's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing to know El El Yon. To know that he is the most high God. And he's above all other gods. Genesis 14. Verse 18 through 23 says, Then Machezeldat, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Now let me go back and give you a little bit of history. This was Abraham when Lot, and when he rescued Lot, um, when they were going into battle, all of these kings, and they took Lot, Lot his wives, they took his, his wife, they took the possessions. Abraham went after Lot, but when he went after Lot, he only had 318 men. That didn't matter to Abraham because God was higher than those men. Because he knew that he had God, and even though he had less men, because he had God on his side, he already knew he had won that battle. Think about it. Who would take 318 men to go in a battle like that? He did it because he knew, God, you're going to go before me. God, I have already won before the battle even begun. 
So Abraham knew God like that. So we know he rescued Lot and everything. And when he brought Lot back, Machesodak, he was the king of Salem. He brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of the God Most High. He was recognized as the priest of God Most High. Remember, we do not put anybody or anything above God. And he blessed him and said, this is what Machesodak was saying to Abraham. Blessed be Abram of God Most High. He knew who he belonged to. He belonged to El El Yon. Blessed be Abram of God Most High. He knew God had blessed him. And he called him El El Yon. Possessor of heaven and earth. So he was letting Abraham know. He is the possessor of heaven and earth. He created the heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High. So he's saying Abraham bless God. Because he delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tenth of all. Abraham knew without El El Yon, I would not have won that battle. So look at how many times the king of Salem, Melchizedek, called him God Most High. See, we have to recognize God for who he is. The more we get to know his redemptive names, the more we get to know those names, when we get in trouble, we can say, El El Yon, I know you're here with me. El El Yon, I know you're not going to leave me. So see, he was recognizing this. In verse 21, now the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high. Look how Abraham came back. He said, I have raised my hand to El El Yon, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal scrap and that I will not take anything that is yours lest you should say I have made Abram rich. So he was saying, I'm taking nothing from you because I serve El El Yon. So when you go back to Genesis 15 and how the Lord said, Abram, I'm your exceeding great reward. Letting Abraham know, don't you fear. God was letting him know, Abram, I'm, I'm going to take care of you. Why? Because Abram recognized God for who he was. He said he's El El Yon, possessor of heaven and earth. So he knew you don't have to give me nothing because I have everything I need through El El Yon. And that's how we should be. We should not be trying to make deals with the devil. Some, let's say Gamblers. People be praying to God, Lord, if you help me hit tonight, I'll pay my tithes. Lord, if you just let me do it one more time, I'll quit. Don't you know the devil is hearing you? So, you know, a person told me, they said, I prayed to God. And I asked the Lord to let me hit one more time and I won't do it again. They say, I hear it one more time. I've been doing it ever since. See, God already knew their heart. Come on, y'all. Let's be real. How many of us have prayed the same prayer, but in a different way? God, if you heal me, I won't eat another pickled pig feet. I won't eat no more pork chop. God, I won't eat all them sweets. God, I won't do it. If you just heal me, ignorant, gone, deceived, he can't heal what he's already healed. By his stripes, you were already healed. So here you are thinking God is stupid. 
He's not. The only thing we need to do is repent and say, God, I fell into gluttony, which was pig feet. And God, I need your help, Holy Spirit, because I can't do this by myself. I go to bed thinking about it. I wake up thinking about it. Next thing I know, it's in my hand. The Bible says if you submit to God, the pig feet will flee. The devil will flee. Right? You won't be seeing your... Isn't it amazing how we can um, see what we want naturally? But when it comes to the spirit, for some reason we blind. Some people can't see their self-heal, but they can see that piece of chocolate cake. Come on, let's just be honest. Don't see yourself here. You see yourself bent over and about to die. But then when you say cake, how many see cake? What kind you see? Chocolate. What kind anybody else see when I say cake? Pineapple. Whatever. Anybody else? Chocolate. What is it about a chocolate cake? Nothing but the devil. That tells everybody where your mind is. Where your heart is, what you done build. When I said pig feet, what does somebody see? Barbecue pig feet. What else does somebody see? Who? All right, potato salad. Who else saw something? Pig feet. One's in the jar. Who else saw? Huh? Jar of vinegar. Red crushed pepper, Sister Nisei. Somebody going to go home and cook pig feet. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. The more you talk about a thing, the more you want that thing. That's why he say cast down. Y'all wait a minute. Remember the scripture? Go to 2 um, Corinthians 10. 10.5. Y'all, God is just so good because the Holy Spirit reminds you of stuff. 2 Corinthians 10.5. Now, everything I say don't mean it's on the test, y'all. Some of them answers I don't be asking for. Okay? (laughs) But, hey, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. Listen at this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Why do you got to pull down a stronghold? Think about it. Why would you pull down a stronghold? Because it's exalting itself. Come on. He said pull down stronghold. So evidently that stronghold has gotten higher than God. That's why that next verse said casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So when we have thoughts that's in our mind, that's staying in our mind and we're not doing nothing with them, they are above God. That's why he say, cast them down. Because if they don't line up with my word, then you got to get rid of it. He said, because it's exalting itself against the knowledge of God. He's El El Yon. He is the most high God. So we got to keep him where he belongs. 
We can't have anything above God. Nothing, no one can be above God. Not even cake. So then we go to Daniel, the fourth chapter. Let me tell you a little bit about Daniel before I get to the end of the um, chapter. Dealing with um, Nebuchadnezzar, he was a king. And he was having dreams and he asked Daniel to interpret his dream. And God is so good because God will send somebody to help us and show us what's going to be before it is. So Daniel began to interpret interpret that dream. And um, it goes to, it was Beltazar. Oh, okay. Which was Daniel. It said in verse 20, this is what Daniel is saying. The tree that you saw, which grew and became, became strong, whose height reached to the heavens and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant, in which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and in whose branches the birds of the heaven had their home. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong, for your greatness have grown and reaches to the heavens and your dominion to the end of the earth. Now listen at what he was telling the king. Um, Let me go here. Well, I'm going to have to read it. And insomuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, for, but leave its stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and, and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High. See, Daniel recognized him. As El El Yon, which has come upon my Lord, the king, they shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field and they shall make you eat grass like like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven and seven times shall pass over you till you know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. Daniel gave him a warning. Through those dreams. And he was telling him. This is what God is saying is going to happen. If you try to be above El El Yon. So let's see what um, happened in verse 34. No let's go here. Because I got to do the whole thing. Y'all know the king went on the roof in 28. And all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the 12 months. He was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke saying, is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? Now, what was he doing? He was exalted. This is pride. When we are full of pride, we're saying we're above El El Yon. When you don't want to let go of pride, that means you're saying you're better than God. So this is what he did. And then when you go to verse 34, it says, now he went through everything that God said he was going to go through. At the end of that time, the days, Nebuchadnezzar looked up, lifted my eyes towards heaven, acknowledging God's supremacy. And I could think normally again. My reason was restored to me. Then I gave praise to bless the most high. I gave honor and glory to him who lives forever. 
God rule is forever and his kingdom continues for all times, all generation. So look what happened with Nebuchadnezzar. He had to go through to recognize you are not above God. You were put as a king, not because of you, but because of God. But you came above yourself trying to say you were above him. So God had to bring him back down. Pride will knock you back down. So all of us need to check ourselves to say, God, am I so much full of pride that I'm making myself higher than you? And sometimes we don't even recognize it because if someone is trying to tell you something, you say, I know, I know, I got this. You don't have to tell me. I know you're full of it. So that means that you're saying you're above God because you don't want to listen. So let's get another one. Psalms 57 2. Y'all, this is David. And what was happening with David, he was going through with Saul. He was going through with his enemies. He was crying out to God and he recognized. He said, I will cry out to God most high, to God who performs all things for me. So he was crying out to El El Yon. He recognized him as the most high God. He recognized that God would save him from his enemies. So I'm saying tonight, we will go through some things, but if we recognize him for who he is, we should know we have already gotten through it, even though we're going through it. But I believe sometimes we don't want to go through. We think just because we say we don't go through nothing, that's when the enemy going to come at you. That's when things are going to hit you because you serve in El El Yon. And the enemy, he wants you to come down because he wants you to see God for who he don't want him to be. He don't want him to be the most high God. Satan want to be high and lifted up. Let's go there. Go with me to Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation, on the farther sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Shiloh, to the lowest depths of the pit. Even Satan recognized, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Satan even knew he was El Elyon. He knew God was above him, but he wanted to be above God. So God said, no, I'm not allowing this. So I'm throwing you down, Lucifer. I'm throwing you down. He threw him down, did he not? But guess what he said? He said, you know what? I am going to be above you because I'm going to use your people to exalt me. How am I going to get them to exalt me more than they exalt you? Because I'm going to put material things before them. I'm going to put cars before them, houses before them, men and women before them. Everything that catch their eye, I'm going to put it before them. And they're going to idolize that more than they idolize you. So I'm going to be the one getting the glory over you. And they're going to look at me as being the most high. Is this not what's happening here on earth? Because he put things. Y'all think about it. It's a lot of material things out here, but we don't want those things to have us. 
do you know it's it's a scripture in the Bible, somebody help me with it, that says that um, dealing with being satisfied, dealing with hell, hell is never satisfied. I can't remember what the scripture is. What is it, Athea? It's in Isaiah. Find it for me. But what I'm saying is the enemy keep putting stuff before us that we never get satisfied. He don't want us to be satisfied because he want to be exalted. Think about it, y'all. Apple. All these different phones. Apple, Samsung. They competition. Everybody. Hmm? Isaiah 514. Thank you, Athea. Let me look at Isaiah 514. It says, Therefore shallow has enlarged itself and opened its mouth beyond measure, their glory and their multitude and their pomp, and he who is jubilant shall descend into it. So it has enlarged itself. See, what Satan is trying to do is, he's trying to get our mind off of El Elyon, and he's trying to put our mind on other things to keep him getting glory instead of God getting the glory. I'll give you an example. If you got a car, and you know you got a nice car, and you know you look good in that car, because somebody, uh, honey, put a seat right here up front. I want to show y'all something. Put a chair there for me. I'm going to use you for the illustration, honey. He's shaking his head. Sit down in your new car. How how you drive that car? How you drive it? It's your new car. Okay, that's how you're driving. You get up. Willie, come sit in this chair. Come sit in this chair, Willie. Come on down. Don't tell him nothing. Come on, Willie. You know, it's already straight down in the name of Jesus. Come on, Willie. You, you in a new car. Come on now. Show him how, how, how it was. Show him. Now, why is his head over here when he should be driving that car? How do we learn in, in driver's ed how to drive a car? 10-2. Will it do that again? What is that? No, no, no. Why are you in the back? Why? Why? You wanted people to see you. Back then. Okay, y'all, this is the point that I'm making. When we get something, why we want people to see it? Or just say Willie doing all that leaning and nobody saying nothing. So Willie going to get out his car and say, did I wipe it off good enough? Or is something not shining good enough? Is something not? Then he'll go back and ask Noodle. Noodle, how 
I look in that car? Baby, you know you look good in that car. When nobody said nothing, I saw my friend at the grocery store. He ain't even noticed the car. He ain't noticed me either. But back then, it wasn't for no friend. It was for the women. <laughs> I'm picking on Willie. Thank you, Brother Willie. Y'all saw how my husband profiled, right? He had a different profile from Willie. But he was profiling. This is how you know where you are. When you can get into something new and you're just thanking God that you have it. You don't care who look at you. You don't care if they don't give you no look. You're just giving God glory that you have something that you can drive. Whether it's a 2000, whether it's a 1999, whatever you call it. You giving God some glory because you are, and I'm going to tell y'all something. I have learned that when he is LL Yon in our lives, um, when I got saved, I was riding with this lady and I had gotten her, what's the name of that car? A Lincoln Navigator. I got in there and I was riding with her. I was in the back seat. I'm like, oh, this is so nice. This is so nice. You know, I say, man, this is nice. You know how she answered me? She said, this is just the glory of God you're feeling. I was looking at all them buttons and how it was, the lights in it and everything. I'm like, this would be something nice for me to have. See, my mind was on carnal. Her mind was on, it's just the glory of God. She had gotten past that. Why? Because she would spend time with God and it wasn't about what she was driving. Everything that she had was about him, and it was not about her. Am I saying it's wrong for you to smile every now and then because you got something nice? No. I'm saying when you're smiling too much and not giving God glory to say it's because of him I have what I have. I have learned with spending time with El El Yon and Elohim, anything that God has given us, God had already shown it to me. So when it's open up to everybody else, people look at, well, you don't act like you're too happy. Oh, I give God glory for it, but I already saw it. It's old to me. I give him glory because he has revealed to you what you already have, and you don't have to go around bragging and boasting and wanting people to come see what you got. That's wrong. I'm talking about having other gods before God. You can't boast and brag on what you have and having people to come to your house because you want them to see your house and how you have your house so they can brag on what you have. No, that's not God. Everything's supposed to bring him glory, not you. And when people are putting you in it, you have to say, you know what? I thank God for what I do have because if it wasn't for him, come on, from the heart, I wouldn't have what I have. To God be all the glory. But when we always bragging, I can do this and I can do that, you can do nothing without God. People need to do, do this right here because I did it. You ain't God. No. God can take something that don't look like this over here and get more hits on it because the heart is right. So we got to be careful. We have to know that he is El El Yon, that he is the most high God. He's above everything else. Before I, um, I was preparing this teaching and I was sitting there and I had gotten the first word El El Yon 
And I sat there and I said, okay, God, you're the most high God. But I don't want to stand before your people and just say you're the most high God. God, I need to know who you really are. I don't want to open my mouth and just give them a scripture. You got to minister to me about being L L Yon. I know you the most high God, but God, what's missing? Why people don't see you for who you really are? The more time you spend with him, you know that he's L L Yon and you ain't putting no one or nothing before him. So as I was ministering on the scriptures, and God said, go back to the scripture. Go back to Abraham. Look at how many times they recognize me as El El Yon. Look at how many times, looking at um, Daniel and how Daniel went to Nebuchadnezzar and how he told him he was the most high God. And then how Nebuchadnezzar came back and recognized you are who you say you are. God wants us to recognize him for real. Not just saying it, but knowing that that's who he really is. We cannot put the devil above God. And I believe if we check ourselves, we will truly say, God, I have exalted some things above you. And that does not supposed to happen. So Lord, forgive me for exalting anything or anybody above you. We cannot do that. We cannot put people before we put God. We have to check ourselves. So the next scripture is Deuteronomy 32, 39. Deuteronomy 32, 39. Now see that I, even I, am he. And there is no God besides me. I I wound and I heal, nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. So God is making it plain. There is no God besides me. And we cannot have any other God besides God. Two more, y'all. This is in First Kings 18. Y'all know what was happening with Elijah. When it was the prophets of Baal coming against God most high. And it says that, you know what Elijah told them to do? You call on your God, I'll call on mine, and we'll see who's Lord. Verse 24, 1824, 1 Kings. Then you shall call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Y'all know what happened to them um, foolish people? Jumping all up, hollering, cutting theyself. And Elijah was picking on them. He said, maybe he went on a far journey. Maybe he's asleep. You better wake him. <laughs> they couldn't wake him up. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, verse 38, and the wood and the stones and the, and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. You know God need to quit showing off. Now, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Y'all, when are people going to see that in us? When are the people going to know that he is El El Yon, the most high God in our lives? When they see us glorifying him more than we're glorifying what we have. And that's when God will really manifest himself, himself in our lives. I remember when me and my husband was um, 
get in our uh, second house. And the Lord told me, he said, I'm going to put you amongst the distinguished. I'm going to put you on the front line. So I'm thinking, my way of thinking was, okay, God, and this is going to have to be you. Because I know it ain't nothing in the bank to put me nowhere. I'm just being honest with God. I said, but I'm hearing you, God, so you tell me what you want me to do. So me, I'm crazy for Jesus. My husband is my witness. First thing I had to do by faith is to start looking for a house. Now, looking for a house without money, people call you crazy, but that's just who God is. That's crazy faith. So I would go to these houses that I thought that I would love to be in. I'll knock on the door. Hey, how you doing tonight? I like this house. Can I come in to see your house? They let me come in too. Nope, that ain't the one. So one day I went around where all the doctors stay in that neighborhood and I saw this house. I said, that's my house. Knocked on that door and I asked the lady, I said, um, she said, hey, how you doing? I said, I'm doing good. She said, um, I said, uh, you know, this is my house. <laughs> she said, huh? I said, this is going to be my house. Now, see, I'm talking by faith, but when God say put you amongst the distinguished, I'm thinking that's where they're at, round on that side. So I go back home and I begin to pray again. I said, Lord, you're going to have to tell me what you want me to do. Sometime it's right in front of you, but you don't see it because you're looking at things outside of what God wants you to see. So when God showed me where he want us to be, I said, nope, that ain't where I'm going. Went in the house, I said, nope, this ain't it. My husband said, nope, this ain't it. Went back home, went back into prayer. I said, Lord, I ain't found it yet. He said, go again. I done been, I ain't going again. And the nice gentleman said, told us where the key was, going up in there. He didn't need to go with us. We went back up in there like God said, and all of a sudden, the... You know how you just say you're blind, but now you see? Both me and my husband say, this is it. And that was it. See, God put us on the front line because God wanted to be glorified through us. See, people wonder, how did you get what you got? Now, this is, this is how God does, y'all. This man built this house for him to stay in it forever because he said I even widened the doorways for a wheelchair just in case I needed one. <laughs> he said I made this a forever house. He said, but when I got married after my wife died and got my second wife, she didn't want to stay here. My mom said we could stay with her and she said she'll stay with my mom. I said because this was our house. God has a way of doing things. When we listen to him and trust him. So when you go step by step with God and hear God, he will put you where he wants you to be and not where you think you need to be. He has to be first and foremost in your life. God said, I want your heart, not your pocketbook. Well, he do want some pocketbook, you know. He want, he want them, you know, first, giving him first from it. But God said, I want your heart. If he, if you, if he gets your heart, he can get your money. But if he ain't got your heart, you're going to hold on to that money because you think that money. Anybody who's holding on to money and don't want to give, you ain't got God's heart. Because if you got God's heart, that money wouldn't be your idol. Because he said, give us this day 
our daily bread. God know what you need day by day. So if you holding on to something and you're not helping somebody that you know that's in need because you're afraid you're not going to have, that money is your God. The Bible said the love of money is the root of evil, not the money. God know you need money to live, but he don't want that money to be your God. He want to be El El Yon. He want to be the most high God. Last scripture, Acts 16, 17. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Come on, y'all. Even sinner, even these people that's in divination know that he's the most high God. And he, here we are as Christians don't know him as most high God as El El Yon because we call in on other things and other people more than we're calling on El El Yon. He is the most high God, and we want to put him first and foremost in everything that we do. We don't want to leave God out. Amen? Let's give God a hand clap of praise. And I know it seems as if it's a lot of scriptures, but when you start meditating on those scriptures, it don't sometimes seem like it's enough. Because when you meditate on one and you get that one in your heart, you tasting and seeing how good God is, is and you want more. You want more of him, more of his word, and you want less of you. So this is why we need to stay before him and say, God, fill my cup, fill it up, let it overflow. Because God, I need more of this word than I need anything else. And if you got this word, you got LL Yon. Because you're not going to go outside of it. Amen. Amen. Do we have any announcements at this time? Thanks for watching Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministries, where miracles happen. You can join us each week on Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern for church service and on Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern for Bible study. For upcoming events, teachings, and ways to contact us and more, you can visit us on the web at www.mtdm.org. You can also give a donation by clicking the donation tab. God bless you, and we will see you next week.